So raise your hand if you like to wait. Oh, do ya? You think so? Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. A part of me doubts that. <laughs> I don't think any of us really like to wait. Right? Waiting is hard. And it's getting, I think it's getting harder because we have to wait for less stuff. Like, we're not, we're not trained by it. I mean, you know, we're just like, like you, get, you get online and you get two-day shipping, right? And it's just, and it's there, you know, or... Um, you just you post things online, or you have TV that's on demand right away. Like, like my my daughter Ruthie hardly knows what live TV is. Like, we just watch everything on demand, right? So like, it's hardly you hardly have to be like, oh, it's going to be on tonight at this time and watch it. You just don't even have to do that. Besides, like sports, you know. Or I was thinking we were looking at some old pictures the other day, and I was reminiscing to how so when I grew up in my my little Iowa town. Uh, Remember when you had to, like, take pictures to the store, like a camera, to get developed? And then not only did they not have, like, one-hour uh, photo development, but at our, our grocery store that had the photos sent them off to somewhere else, and then you get them back in a week or so, right? And now we take a picture, and what do we do? We look at it immediately, right? <laughs> right? And then you post it online. Like, we just hardly have to wait for stuff, which is maybe part of why when God has us wait, it's just so hard can be really, really challenging when we're in a season of waiting on God. But you know, when you look throughout the scriptures, it seems to be that the people of God throughout history have spent a lot of time waiting. It is a very core part of the Christian experience is to wait on God. And it appears that God is always doing something pretty significant during a season of waiting. And so we're going to talk about that a bit today, how to look at, how to embrace the wonderful wait. And as we think about the word wonderful, too, just want to clarify, sometimes we just use the word wonderful like a synonym for just good or really nice. But the word wonderful really means something that's worth marveling at, something that's worth going, being in wonder over. Like, wow, look at what's going on here. That's what we're talking about today with this kind of season talking about a, a time where we can sit back and go, okay, look at what's, look at what may be going on. We're going to lean into the wonderful wait. The lesson we have to help us do that today is Genesis chapter 8, verses 6 to 12. It says, after 40 days, Noah opened the window he had made in the ark and sent out a raven. And they kept flying back and forth until the water had dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground. But the dove could find no place to set its feet because there was water over all the surface of the earth. So it returned to Noah in the ark. He reached out his hand and took the dove and brought it back to himself in the ark. He waited seven more days and again sent out the dove from the ark. When the dove returned to him in the evening, there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. Then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth. He waited seven more days and sent the dove out again. But this time it did not return to him. Now, as I mentioned briefly before the service today, this lesson moves us forward in this series that we actually began on Ash Wednesday, this series called Tested. And we started on Ash Wednesday because the season of Lent is built on Jesus' 40 days of being tested in the wilderness. And so throughout this series, we're talking about seasons and experiences of being tested. And one of the things that we talked about is how being tested can go two directions. The enemy, when we're, trying to, when we're being tested, is always trying to destroy us, trying to get at us. But from God's perspective, perspective, when we go through a season of being tested, it's an opportunity to trust him, to grow, 
to learn for God to bring us into to new places and new directions as beautiful opportunities amongst times when we are being tested. One of the things that we've also noted so far in this series is the significance of the number 40 in Scripture. That over and over and over again, this number is there. And, and it's not, sometimes it is just used and just, okay, well, 40, there's 40 things here. doesn't seem like a big deal. But it's used in so many significant times, like 40 days of rain, 40 days of waiting, 40 years in the wilderness. David reigned for 40 years as king. Solomon for 40 years as king. It happens in so many significant spots. Clearly, it, it means something. What exactly means, God never says, this is exactly why I use the number 40 over and over again, but it does seem to indicate for us that there's a significant season taking place and that God is doing something significant during that time. And because the number 40 is so often associated with times of testing, it's a bit of assurance for us, too, that when we're going through a period of testing, whether it's 40 days or not, periods of testing are significant. God is doing something special. Now, our lesson today is really the bookend of what we studied last week. So last week, we were on the front end of the account of how God saw that the world had become so full of violence that it broke his heart and that he was grieved. Grieved over what was going on in the world, grieved over how much the world was hurting. God was so saddened by what he saw in the world that he decided that he realized that he needed to do something and the best thing that he needed to do, the thing that the world needed at the time, was for a flood. To basically destroy things and start over and start from scratch. And so God, being grieved in this way, having his heart broken in this way, saw that the best thing was a flood. And so he sent this flood to the earth. But as he did so, he also preserved Noah and his family and then animals to restart things and relaunch things. Last week's lesson was when we talked about how when Noah was in the ark with his family, how it rained, and it rained for 40 days. The rain kept coming for 40 days. And Pastor Krause was here last week, and I was in Cottage Grove, so we may have talked about it a bit differently, but there's some interesting, just, just powerful things that I know he and I, even when we were chatting, like we were like, okay, look at this. Just see this in the scripture. Like we, it just popped out to both of us, was how God in his word uses in the New Testament, and actually it's from Peter, uses the New Test or uses the flood to help us understand how God relates to us today. Because in the flood, the waters destroyed the corruption, the violence in the world, that which threatened people and God's creation. God destroyed that by the waters of the flood, and those very same waters lifted up the ark with Noah and his family in it and lifted them up and really rescued them from the corruption. When you and I, when we are baptized into Christ, Scripture says that the flood is actually a picture of baptism because baptism connects us to what Jesus did on the cross. And when Jesus died on the cross, all that threatened us. All of our sin, all of our corruption was destroyed there. When we're baptized into Christ, we're connected with that, and the waters of baptism are like the waters of flood destroying the corruption. And just like the waters of the flood lifted up Noah and his family to new life, the waters of baptism connect us to Jesus' resurrection. And so, when we're connected to Jesus' resurrection, that raises us to a new life. The waters of the flood help us understand baptism, understand our life today, but also, as we then we think about our life today, it helps us see that God, in this season of testing for Noah that we talked about last week, was destroying that which was dangerous to him in order to raise him and his family to new life and new hope and to give them 
a future. That's part of what God often does during seasons of testing. Our lesson comes on the other end of that now, because we're told that at the end of 150 days, the water had gone down. And then on the 17th day of the seventh month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. So just a quick side note about the mountains of Ararat. There is a mountain range that is called Ararat today. Um, it's in a, a um, not kind of up towards Turkey. Um, many expeditions have taken place to try to find the ark, and some people claim that they think they know where it is. Nobody has found it. Um, maybe someday, but it's just one of those, like, don't, it's, as you look at this, I think sometimes people get way too caught up with, oh, we got to find the ark. That's how, that would be great, but you know what? Don't get sidetracked from just really what the message of the ark and the account of the ark is all about. So yes, there is a mountain range called that. Sometimes people will look for it, but they have not produced evidence of it yet. All right, so the waters continued to recede until the 10th month, and on the first day of the 10th month, the tops of the mountains became visible. So we have these 150 days, and then we have this actually progression of a few more months, and then we get to our lesson today. So at this point now, there's been quite some time. The ark had hit a mountaintop, settled there, and by the time we get to our lesson, the peaks of the mountains become visible. And it's here that we can really dive into our lesson about the wonderful wind. So after all this time, after the 150 days and then the more months there, and after settling on the mountaintop, we're told that then after 40 days, Noah opened the window he had made in the ark. I don't know about you, but when I read this after 40 days, realizing what Noah's been through, at first it's like a head scratcher for me. Because, so if I'd been in the, the ark and there's 150 days, and then there's like more months, right, and you can see mountain peaks, I wouldn't wait 40 more days. I, I, probably, I probably wouldn't. I would even, I would be, I don't know, like anytime, like, <laughs> like when I text somebody and I'm waiting for an answer I'm really wondering, wondering about, it's like I keep, I check my phone like every two seconds to see if they've sent it, right? Yeah, you, you do the, yeah I'm seeing some nods, right? You know how this is, right? You're like excited, like, is it here? Is it there? Is it there? Man, if we, if I could see a mountain peak, I'd be like, open it up. I'm out. Especially after 150 days plus months, like, I'd be, but, Mo, but, but Noah, not Moses, excuse me, Noah, he waits 40 days. And maybe it's because he can look out and see that all it is is peaks and what, I don't know. But as you think about that number 40, remember, the number 40 it reminds us that there's a significant season going on here and a significant time. And the truth is, no matter how much Noah wanted to get out of that ark, he really had no power to make those waters recede. Right? Noah couldn't, as much as he wanted to, he could try to get out there, but he really had no power to make the water go down. Who did? God did. This was a God time, a God season. God needed to make the waters come down. And Noah couldn't force God's hand. It needed to happen in God's time. I wonder how many, how many times in life we get really like wanting something right now or to happen soon, but the truth is we have no power to make it happen. We have no power to, to, to make it happen any sooner or any time. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen in God's time. There's this uh, pastor that I follow uh, on social media. Somebody has this, this great statement where he says, if it's, if it's not God's time, there's nothing you can do to, to make it God's time. And if it is God's time, there's nothing you can do to stop it from being God's time. It's a, if it's a God thing, it's, it's a God thing, and it's going to be in 
God's timing. And it's important for us to recognize when we get to a season of waiting, when we're in a time where we really don't have the power to make it happen any faster or any slower. We're in a season where God has to do it. And that's actually why it's such a wonderful wait, because when we think about this season of waiting, we're actually recognizing that we are in a season where the creator God needs to do what only the creator God can do. That the big almighty God, what we're doing is we're looking for him to move and for him to do what he can do and what I cannot. That's why it's such a wonderful time because it's wonderful because it's a time period of sitting back or waiting patiently and saying, okay, God, what are you going to do? How are you going to do it? When are you going to do what you promised to do? Now, when I say sitting back, it doesn't mean that it's absolutely without activity on our part. Uh, you're waiting on the Lord, but there does come a point where you're like, okay, now you can look, kind of step forward and say, okay, God, is it time to, for us to move ahead? Is it time for us to move forward? You see, because after 40 days, Noah opened the window, and he made in the ark and sent out a raven. And it kept flying back and forth until the water had dried up from the earth. He didn't just wait until there was a time where God just came to him and said, all right, Noah, get out. After the 40 days, after giving God time to, to do his thing, Noah said, okay, now I'm going to check. All right, God, is it time yet? He sends the raven out. But then there's no indication that it's time. He goes ahead, then he also, he sends out a dove to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground. But the dove could find no place to set its feet because there was water over all the surface of the earth. So it returned to Noah in the ark, and he reached out his hand and took the dove and brought it back to himself in the ark. Sends the dove out. Dove flies all around. Dove finds nothing. Comes back with Noah. I don't know about you, but I think this experience right here might be one of the most difficult parts of his waiting process. Because it's one thing to be waiting. It's another thing to get your hopes up that it might be time for the waiting to be over, only to find out that you're not done yet. And I think we've had some very real examples of this um, kind of generally in our world over the last couple of years. One of them is just right now. One of them is your springtime. So that's just, so springtime, you know, when you get that, like, what was it? Week, less than a week or so ago, it was like 60 degrees on Saturday, right? I got the deck furniture out Friday. I was, I was pumped. I was ready for spring, right? And I knew, I knew it was going to snow on it, but I knew it wasn't going to last. So I was, I don't care. I'm putting it out because I'm ready for the warmer temperatures, right? But then all of a sudden, like, snow comes again, and then it's, 15 degrees, right? And when you get excited, and then when it goes back, it's like, ah, come on. Now, but that's just a season. That, that can be hard, but that's kind of just a seasonal thing. We've had some other things. Something, something that's abiding shepherd specific is we've been in this process of trying to call a third pastor, mention that meeting. And uh, with the pastors we've called so far, the conversations we've had with them, Pastor Kay and I both have had good sense of, man, I think he's going to take it. I think we're going to go. I just had that feeling. I was feeling good. And then wasn't quite the right time. And actually, that was um, some, some of what the, actually, I think both pastors even met, co- talked about the timing, that it was such an intriguing call, but not the right time for them. So we've had some of those where you get that excitement, and then, no, nah, not quite. And then, of course, there's COVID that's been in our world for a couple of years, and, and God willing now, it sure looks like we are moving in a direction where we can just leave 
where the world is normalizing and so you know but we have had a couple times where things were really just seeming like they were getting better and yet then there was this like there's a new variant and then there's a wave and then things kind of shut down again or there's requirements here or there and and that has been really hard and god willing i think we're we're moving in a much better direction than we have it does really seem like it's stabilizing but over the course of the last two years we've had some of these up and down times being excited for that okay i'm almost there and then having finding out that you're not quite can be really hard but i think it's especially hard when you think about this here with noah because remember he waited the 40 days he he waited for god to bring the water down and yet God said, not quite yet. Not, I'm not done yet. Sometimes that's the hardest. When you recognize, okay, this is a God thing. God, I need you to do this. I can't do it. God, you got to do it. So then you wait on the Lord. And you wait on the Lord. And then you're like, okay, Lord. Isn't it, is it time yet? Like, why not? Why, I, wait, I know you, you got to do it. And I know it's not me. So would you do it? You know, are we there? Why, why are we? Are we there yet? That can be a really, really challenging part of the wonderful wait. Is when you have waited on the Lord, and God still says, "Not yet. It's not quite time." But even though it can be really challenging, the, the the wait is, the wait is worth it. Noah he waited seven more days, and again sent out the dove from the ark. When the dove returned to him in the evening, there was in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. Then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth. There. After all that waiting, there. There is that little branch of hope. That it's coming. That what he was waiting for was coming. And he had waited and he waited, but now that branch is there and that hope is there. And the truth is, the wait is worth it because when God makes a promise, he will come through on it. God may not always come through in the way we want him to or we hope he will. He may not always do what we want him to do. But if there's something in God's word, a promise in God's word that you are clinging to, God will come through with it. And when you wait for it, he will get you there. And on the way there, when you're getting close, he may even give you a little branch to let you know. It's coming. It's coming. I think that's actually part of what what worship is meant to be and what the Lord's Supper and these things are meant to be. They're like these little things that tell you, hey, it's coming. The promise for what God's doing in, in your life, but more importantly, what God is doing for this world and for eternity, that it's coming. It's coming. You are getting there. The wait, the wait is worth it. You will the new life, the hope is coming. Why it's a wonderful wait. Because God not only not only is working, but God will come through and, and do what only God can do. But as you think about the, the, the branch there, I got another head scratcher. After the branch, we're told Noah waited seven more days and then sent the dove out again. Seriously, Noah, How? I, you know, I, like, I just look at him like, man, like, the, the, he came back with a branch. I'd be like, all right, let's find that tree, <laughs> you know? Like, let's get out. Like, it would be, all right, he found a branch, good. The waters have receded. Seven more days, everyone. That would just be really, really hard for me. Why did, how was Noah able to just do that? Why did he do that? 
I don't know. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't say this is what Noah's thought process was. Maybe he knew he needed some days to get everybody ready. I don't know. Maybe he knew that, that the, the tree maybe wasn't right there by the ark, but then the bird had a... I don't know. I do know he waited seven days, which is another significant scriptural number, and seven tends to, to, to point to completeness or fullness, so maybe that's part of it. But when it comes down to it, I just don't know exactly why he waited seven more days. And so perhaps the, the greater thing to ponder at this time is not why Noah waited seven more days, but why it would be so hard for me to wait seven more days. You know, like maybe instead of trying to get inside of Noah's head, maybe it's good for us at this point to take some time and reflect in our own minds and our own hearts. Why is it so hard for us to wait? Why are seasons of waiting so challenging? Part of it's because whatever we're enduring in a season can just be really hard. It, like, it can be painful, and so, of course, it's hard to endure pain. It can be a time where, where it's confusing, and being confused is hard. It can be a time that's exhausting, or maybe it's a time of anxiety or whatever it is. You can, you can be in a season of waiting, and, and it's just it's really, really hard. That's part of it. But there's also this, there's a deeper part of it, too that comes from the fact that we're sinful people is throughout our lives there is this struggle going on this arm wrestling match that we do with God over who's really in charge we really as sinful people want to be in charge and in seasons of waiting it's a season where it becomes painfully apparent to us that we're not and it's really, it, it is just such a hard thing for us because we're always wrestling. We want to be, you know, want to be in charge. In the season of waiting, we, we have to be reminded that, you know what, actually, who determines when, when things should happen? It's not you. It's God. In the season of waiting, we, 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 we're, we're pain, painfully reminded sometimes that who is the one who really ultimately has the power to do this? It's not you. It's God. Who is the one who knows what's best for you and your life? Is it you? No. It's God. It, 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 who is the one who knows what's best for the world and the people around you? Is it you? No. It's God. And in, in, in a season of waiting, that struggle kind of comes center stage, and God makes it pretty clear. <laughs> kind of, I just, I wasn't planning to talk about this. Did anyone remember there was a movie in the, in the 80s called Over the Top? Sylvester Stallone was a truck driver who armed, no, no. Yeah, Sylvester Stallone was this truck driver who went to arm wrestling competitions. As a kid, I always thought this was the coolest thing. And he would always, when he would arm wrestle, he'd get there and he'd flip his hat backwards and he'd get all real tense. And then he'd be losing, like Rocky style, because that's what Sylvester Stallone does. Then he'd, then he'd kind of curl his fingers around, switch his arm, and then he would just, and then yell like Sylvester Stallone does and just destroy the guy, right? <laughs> Seasons of waiting are kind of God turning his hand, hat backwards and curling his fingers and just being like, in this whole battle of who's in charge, it's not you. And that's, that's hard. But it's not without blessing. Because one of the things, too, that sometimes uh, happens when we think, uh, when we feel like we're in charge, is, is we also think part of the reason why we want this waiting to end is, is, is we don't, we don't think we can last much longer 
or we don't think we're strong enough to face what's ever here or we don't think we're big enough for whatever this problem is and when that feeling comes up God too hat backwards well God with a hat backwards is a good pick right yeah fingers and says watch me you don't know what I can carry you through and you don't know what battle I can defeat and you don't know what I can overcome I'm not intimidated by seasons of waiting or when people think that it's taken me too long and I'm not intimidated even by the idea of you ha- not knowing what's next a season of waiting from God is, is a wonderful season of waiting and you can see God working in seasons of waiting so clearly and most clearly when you look at the one who came to rescue us and you can see most clearly how God is not intimidated by seasons of waiting by the way that Jesus came to rescue us you know how old Jesus was when he started his ministry? 30 years. There's this great scene, and I know Betty's not here. To, you, have to, you can tell Betty I talked about The Chosen today um, because I know she likes to bring it up regularly. There's this great scene in The Chosen. Uh, it's, TBC is about G- Jesus' life, if you, uh, if, you didn't, have you, if you haven't heard about it. And uh, John the Baptist is kind of like picking on Jesus, and which might seem weird to us, but come on, they're cousins, real life, this probably happened, right? This little back and forth jab between uh, cousins and stuff, and, and he's just like, Jesus, I'm just waiting for you to get on with it. You've been here for 30 years. And while it's like a funny scene in the show, it's something true. The Son of God is in the world, and he waited three decades to start his public ministry. He waited until the proper time. And then, even in his public ministry, we had that lesson from Matthew when Jesus is talking about when he's going to return and he says that nobody besides the Father knows, right? Nobody, not even the angels and not even who? Not even the Son. It's that whole mind blowing. What? How can God the Son in his state of humility, like as a human, not know the timing? But Jesus didn't know it. Jesus lived what what you and I live when we're like, God, I don't know the timing. I don't know when you're going to when you do this, he, Jesus experienced this. He lived this. Jesus entered into the waiting period. He entered into that, that, that life of not always knowing when, how it's all going to work out. He did all of that so that in a period of waiting, in that time, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, he could die for us. He entered into that period of waiting, that period of what it's like to be human to a time period like that so that at God's perfect timing he could go to a cross and he could pay for all of those ways you and I try to be in charge you know and actually if we were left to ourselves right we we don't we don't like as simple people we don't want to live in a world where God is in charge we want to be in charge which is why naturally if we were left to ourselves we would be in a world without God but Jesus went to the cross allowed allowed himself to be killed, followed the will of his father, and allowed people to kill him so he could pay the price for all those ways that we have tried to be in charge. So he could take the justice for them, so he could destroy them, defeat them on the cross, and so he could rise again. So you and I now could be people who in God's sight are right with him, people who know that he is for us and not against us, people who know that we have an eternity with him where someday we are going to live in a world where everybody celebrates who's really in charge and we're going to love it. And in the meantime, we can begin to embrace 
who's really in charge and begin to stand in awe and in wonder in a season of waiting. Because we are people who are right with God and know God is for us, know that God has eternity for us, and God is working in seasons of waiting now. We actually, we get to, we get to embrace, okay, so if Jesus had a season, if Jesus waited till the right time, I can be, I'm someone who's connected in Christ, to Christ, right? Especially through baptism, I'm clothed with Christ, I'm connected in him, through faith I'm connected to Christ. I get to, to join in good company and wait till the right time for God to move. And I get to be in good company. I get to be like Jesus. And I get to go, hmm, nobody knows, not even me, the timing. But it's coming. We get to live life where we know, like we read in our lesson from Second Peter, that there's going to be a day when, when, when Jesus returns. And this broken world, as we know, it's coming to an end. And there might be people who are looking around saying, when's he going to come? It's been 2,000 plus years. So what? For God, days like a 1,000 years, and a 1,000 years is like a day. We know it's coming. I don't know when, but it's coming. There's going to be a day where once and for all this broken world is, is, is comes to an end and there's new life, there's resurrection, there's new creation ahead. The world is the way it was meant to be. We, we get to wait for that day, knowing it's coming and knowing that God is doing something in the waiting. That in the meantime, there are other seasons of waiting that you and I go through. And that in those seasons, God is working something for us in his world. I encourage you to, to, to think about a season of waiting you've had. Maybe it's a season of waiting you're in. And then to, to ponder, to remind yourself, first of all, that this season is significant because it's a season where you are waiting for God to do what only God can do. And so you are actually waiting on a divine act in your life and embrace that God needs to move. Embrace that God's going to do it in his timing and in his way. Think about that, that waiting period and, and, and recognize that if, 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 if it's not God's time, it's not happening. And if it is God's time, nothing's stopping it. God's doing it. And embrace that during that time, you can trust and embrace and receive the fact that God knows what he's doing, that God knows what's best, and that God knows what he wants to do in you. I'm going to give you a little just example of where this, a few years ago, this started to sink in the beauty of waiting on the Lord. Is, uh, and I've mentioned it a few times here before, um, but uh, and I know it sounds weird, but as a pastor, I, I'm, actually, I'm actually very much naturally a doubter. I've had some real seasons of doubt with my faith over the years. Um, and through each season, God has taught me so much about him and has grown me so much in him. But here's one of the things he taught me in the last one is, is I realized that when I, when I had a question about my faith and there's something I needed to figure out, I felt like I needed to figure out right now. I needed to wrap my head around it. But then you know what I would do? I would force answers that were too small. I would force resolutions that weren't really resolutions. And I, can, I could sense it in my heart that it wasn't really an a- adequate answer. And so then what I learned to do is I, say, I, I, I finally, I remember one time I threw my hands, I'm like, God, I don't know. So if, if, if you want me to get this, you're going to have to just give it to me, okay? And then literally I remember about six months later shoveling my driveway, and I just was thinking about a few things, and all of a sudden this light bulb went off, and I was like, oh, wait, I get it. I get it. He just gave it to me. He just got like, the question, it was just boom, answered. 
And actually, part of the reason why I was answered it, and this is what I realized is, is my question was too small. God's answer was much bigger, and God didn't want to give me the small answer. He wanted to give me the big one, and I needed to wait on God to give what he wanted to give. Don't settle for the forced human answer. Trust in God to give the big God answer, to do the God thing. Because remember, the season of waiting is about, it's about not how long is it going to take me to get this figured out, but about God doing what only God can do and doing it in his way, doing what's best for us and to bring him glory to carry out his plan. When we struggle with that, when we have a hard time with that, go back and remind yourself that Jesus entered into this world. He experienced it, he lived it, and he died for you. So now you are right with God and embrace that you are, as a Christian, like so many people throughout history, someone who waits on the Lord, waiting for him to return and waiting for him to do what he wants to do in the meantime. Embrace the wonderful 